Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up guys welcome back to around the arc i'm jamie now first off apologies i know it's been a minute since since my last episode um but since the regular season's now fast approaching we're only weeks away now um i'm gonna i'm gonna try and ramp up uh the sort of the production of these podcast episodes try and get some more out so that we're you know ready once the once the regular season is upon us but i've just been i've been thinking about maybe uh switch switching it up a little bit and maybe doing uh, a couple of podcast episodes a week but only sticking to sort of one main topic per episode uh, so let me know what you guys think of that idea you can uh, let me know on twitter at around the arc but yeah, let me know if you want me to just keep doing the episodes the way I have been doing, or if you'd like to see, yeah, maybe, maybe a couple a week. Um, but yeah, so that uh, that's that's about it. We'll get right into right into things today. Um, we're gonna be taking a look at my top bold predictions for the season ahead. Pretty big, pretty big topic to cover today. So we'll just get right into it. But before we do. I just wanted to quickly touch on a bit of NBA drama that's come out over the past week or so. I don't know if you've been keeping track of this, but we have... Um, I don't know if you remember, earlier on in the summer, we had the little rap battle between Damian Lillard and Marvin Bagley. They, re- they released a series of diss tracks on one another. Uh, so anyway, we now have another... NBA rap battle this time between Dame again, uh, this time going at Shaq. So basically, how this started, it seems when Damian Lillard was on Joe Budden's podcast, uh, he basically said that he thinks he's a better rapper than Shaq, and that he doesn't really view Shaq as a rapper, just as a you know as a former basketball player rapping. You know, whenever Shaq does. Uh, jump on a track but anyway that seemed to have rubbed Shaq the wrong way uh, and it caused him to release uh, a Dame diss track and then Lillard obviously responded with one of his own so if you haven't given them a listen to yet I recommend you go give them a try because it is uh, it's always entertaining but um, in terms of who won I think it's kind of kind of no a no brainer. I think that that Dame came out on top in this in this battle. I mean, first off, he he is a legit. He's a legit rapper. Like he's got two or three studio albums under his belt. Like he's 
Like he's got a career for him once he's once he's done with the NBA. Shaq, I mean, I I, I get what what Dame was saying. He's just sort of an ex basketball player that likes to rap occasionally, and it kind of shows in the in the, in the diss tracks. I have to say, where Shaq sounds like it was recorded on a phone, whereas Dame's the production on it is just leagues ahead and then in terms of the actual rapping like go go and go and give them a listen yourself and i think when you're listening to when you're listening to lillard's track have the lyrics up on on a separate tab as well so you can really dive into them like he goes at shack and it's ah is is really entertaining shack's shack's song is it's all right as well not not taken anything away from him but i just think he had he had a couple of lines where they're just sort of a bit not true what he was talking about like he said uh in one of the tracks that dame isn't an mvp candidate i would disagree with that i think over the past few seasons especially he has been while not you know top three or anything like that i'd say he's been in the top seven or so the last the last two three seasons um and then he had another line where he said that dame would never be westbrook or steph curry now the steph comparisons yeah i get that you know dame is he's awesome but he's not quite on steph curry's level but to never be westbrook like i don't i don't really know what that means he just torched him in the playoffs like i would i would personally have dame over westbrook if i was if i was you know starting a team with one or the other but yeah i just i just didn't really get that anyway and enough of me rambling on about that let's yeah Go go listen to the tracks if uh, if you're at all interested. If not, let's get back to the main topic of today's episode, and that is my nine bold predictions for the 2020 NBA season. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, so we're just we're just gonna get right into it, shall we? So it seems it seems to be the case every NBA season there are there are countless storylines right for us to follow and a lot of them are completely unexpected like no one would have no one would have expected them to happen before the season started so now that we are only a few weeks away from the start of the regular season I thought I may as well make my attempt at predicting some of these more bold and unanticipated storylines. So let's just get into it with the first one, which is Ben Simmons will attempt at least one three-pointer per game. Now, taking it back, when Ben Simmons was drafted number one overall back in 2016, he entered the league being compared to LeBron James. Now, while Simmons has certainly not disappointed by any means in his first two full NBA seasons, I mean, he was named an All-Star last year, um, there has been one clear weakness, one clear hole in his game that has thus far kept him from reaching that lofty potential that was set for him. And obviously that is his jump shot. 
and right from day one there's been a ton of talk about this and after showing pretty much no development at all in that area in year one or two Simmons now seems ready to kind of silence all the skeptics going into year three. I mean, there's certainly been no shortage of off-season footage showing the Australian Simmons, you know, reigning transition pull-up threes and turnaround fadeaways left, right, and center. And, I mean, I understand that doing those things in pickup games in the summer is one thing, and doing them in NBA games is a whole other monster but you know Simmons himself has even come out and said that if he's open from three he's gonna let it fly and it's not just him you've had the head coach of the Sixers Brett Brown um he's talked about stationing Ben in the corners at times which suggests that he's confident with him letting it fly from there and so while there's, this certainly seems to be the year that we are going to see a Simmons with a jump shot, uh, we shouldn't be expecting to, him to morph into a Kyle Korver level marksman or anything. You know, I think attempting around one three-pointer per game, knocking down, you know, around 30% of those, while at the same time showcasing a more dependable mid-range game, I think that's going to be more important. I think that that would be a very promising step in Simmons' development. And at the same time, I think it would do a lot to bolster Philly's title chances as well in the process. <laughs> See what I did there? Little little process pun. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, next bold take, I've got the Dallas Mavericks are going to make the NBA playoffs next year. So... At this present moment in time, I think there are seven teams in the Western Conference that are pretty much locks to make the playoffs. I mean, that's how that's how stacked the West is. And obviously, that's assuming health, of course. So those teams are the Clippers, the Lakers, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Trailblazers. Now, that leaves one available playoff spot and there will, there's likely going to be a few teams that are in contention for that coveted eighth seed. I think, you know, the Spurs, the Kings, the Pelicans, and the Mavericks, they're all going to think that they have a shot of making it in. And while, you know, you probably look at a team like the Spurs and think that they'd be the safe bet to get that final playoff spot, I'm going with the Mavs. I think they're going to surprise some people this year. And... Yeah, the main reason I've got the Mavs, simply put, I think Luka Doncic and Chris Apps Porzingis are just going to be really, really, really good. I just think they're going to be awesome. I mean, Luka, he's fresh off one of the most impressive rookie seasons that we've ever seen, and he's only given us a tiny glimpse of how good he can be. Now, I expect him to make a leap in year two. I expect him to be a first-time All-Star. I expect him to compete for the All-NBA teams. I just expect him to be really good. Not, I don't expect him to take a step. I expect him to take a leap in year two. And now his new partner in crime, Kristaps Porzingis, I feel, is being a little bit overlooked by some people. 
Um, I know he's coming back from an ACL tear that has basically kept him out an entire year and a half, but I think the extra rest that he got at the end of last season, it will mean that he's coming into this year 100% healthy and recovered. So while he will undoubtedly have some rust that he needs to wear off, um, when he gets back on the court, he'll need to, you know, get back into game shape and all, all that stuff. You know, he should, all that being considered, he should be able to return to the player that he was in New York. I think sooner rather than later. And I don't know if you've seen with the muscle that he appears to have added in the summer, we could actually be seeing a new and improved Perzingis this year, which should be scary for other teams out West. You know, another reason I'm so high on this duo and the Mavs by extension is the fact that, you know, KP, he's not going to have to shoulder uh, an overly heavy offensive load. You know, he's not going to need to take on more than he can handle right from the beginning. And, you know, largely thanks to Luca's brilliance, he's going to, you know, take some of the burden off of KP's shoulders. And... As he, as KP's workload steadily increases, you know, as he as he becomes more accustomed to being back on the court, I think these these two young stars, on paper anyway, they fit so well together. And I think once they find their groove with one another, it's just going it's going to be special to watch, and they're just going to be the entire the engine that drives this. Dallas team but then you do you look along along the roster at guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. who despite the criticism that he gets I think he can be a nice third option for this team Jalen Brunson who showed some promise last year Dwight Powell who's a very dependable and reliable role player and you know this team it has the parts of an eighth seed if if Luca and Porzingis can you know live up to the hype and you know, they still have Rick Carlisle as the head coach, who I have no doubt will manage, you know, to find a way to get the most out of all of these guys. So, yeah, they're my they're my dark horse candidate to sneak into the playoffs in the Western Conference. Let me know what you think. Those out of the out of those four teams, the Spurs, Pelicans, Kings, and Mavs, who do you think's the most likely to to sneak into that eighth spot? Next up, my next bold take is that the Lakers will be an elite defensive team. Now, looking at the Lakers, when typically when you surround LeBron James with shooters, your team is going to be an elite offense. When you add Anthony Davis into the mix as well, the offensive potential of your team just becomes silly. So, since that is the case with the Lakers, we're not going to address their offense here because, you know, I don't think that would be very bold <laughs> to say that their offense is going to be good. Their defense, on the other hand, it seems to divide fans and analysts a lot more, but I think they're going to surprise some people with how good they're, they are on that end. You know, first off, everything starts with AD on, on the defensive side. You know, the Brow is one of the best defenders in the league and is a guy who could legitimately win Defensive Player of the Year if his team's defense is good enough, you know, compared to the other elite squads on that end. And, 
you know, with him anchoring the paint, you're always going to have a chance of coming up with with a stop. And in the end, you know, that's what that's what defense is about, right? And up front, you also have Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, who are each defensive presence. God, can't speak. They're each defensive presences in their own right. You know, while Dwight, he's not the athletic freak that he was in Orlando. You know, he's still this. He's he's still got the same defensive instincts and timing that made him a three-time Defensive Player of the Year winner, and. I think he'll be particularly valuable when Davis goes to the bench. I think I think Dwight's still capable of anchoring an NBA defense, even if at this point in in his career it's only for about twenty minutes a night. And as for McGee, you know, while he is still prone to the occasional lapse, and he's he's no defensive player of the year candidate. He's he's certainly come a long way from his shacked in a full days and. I mean, you can't argue that he is a solid rim protector and interior presence. Now, moving out to the perimeter, you have guys like Danny Green, who's still an all-NBA defender, even though he's well into his 30s now. Avery Bradley, who's one of the toughest on-ball defenders and pests when he's locked in. And you can't forget about KCP as well, who can he can really lock up when he's fully engaged and motivated. So, I mean, looking down the roster, it's clear that the Lakers have the individual defenders to get the job done. But to be an elite defensive team, you obviously need to play elite team defense. And that's, I mean, that's when it helps to have a guy like Frank Vogel as your head coach. I mean, if you remove his failed stint in Orlando, Vogel has actually been one of the best defensive coaches in the league. Uh, If you look at his time with the Pacers, so... I would expect him to implement a solid defensive scheme and structure with this team. And then, you know, but the the head coach can only do so much, right? It then becomes the player's responsibility to execute the defensive game plan on the floor. And to do that well, you need leaders to kind of act as the extension of the coach on the floor. And while Davis will certainly eat up a lot of that responsibility, I also think that both Rondo and LeBron will play a major role here. You know, over the past few seasons, there has been a lot of talk about LeBron's decline on the defensive end, not so much in terms of his ability, but more so in terms of his energy and effort. And while it's clear that James does take plays off on that end, and he'll often use defensive possessions to you know, rest up. He is still a net positive on the defensive side, and that's largely due to his, you know, his genius-level basketball IQ. And I think that the same sort of applies to Rondo, but to a, to a lesser extent, of course. Um, you know, these guys, they both they know the tendencies of other players and the game plans of opposing offenses, and... You know, they, especially LeBron, uses that knowledge along with his excellent communicating to still impact the game defensively. And now that LeBron's been been called out and challenged by AD to, you know, return to his all 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 defense level, you know, on the on the defensive side, I I would I would expect him 
to maybe showcase more consistent energy and effort than he has done certainly last year or maybe the last couple of years. And you see with LeBron that when he does up his effort, he shows that he can still be a ferocious stopper on on the defensive side. And when required, you know, I think he can still elevate this Lakers team to be a dominant defensive unit. And I think he will be required to do that a little bit more this year than in years past. And, I mean, he's come out and he said himself that he's up to a challenge, up to the challenge of it. Um, but I think that will kind of be an X factor in determining how, just how elite this Lakers defense can be. But these are bold predictions, so I'm, so I'm going with it. They're going to be an elite defensive squad. Next take is that Jamarant, not Zion Williamson, will be the rookie of the year. Now, obviously, Zion, he's the most hyped rookie prospect to enter the NBA since LeBron James. And understandably, as a result, a lot of people, not everyone, but most people are picking him to just run away with the rookie of the year award. But... These people, I think, forget about the number two pick in this year's draft, and that's Jamarant for the for the Memphis Grizzlies. I think people are overlooking just how good he is. Now, I'm not saying that Ja is better than Zion at this point, nor am I saying that he's going to have the better NBA career. But I do think that Morant has a pretty serious shot at winning rookie of the year for a few reasons and one of the main ones being the situation that he is coming into compared to Williamson now you look at Zion and he's going to have to share the court with guys like Drew Holiday Brandon Ingram JJ Redick Lonzo Ball these are all guys who are going to be looking for their touches whereas Ja you know he's going to have Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas and not much else to be honest with you and with the Grizzlies trading away their franchise point guard Mike Conley to the Jazz this summer, I think it's clear that Morant is being handed the keys to the offense basically from day one. And although the, both Jackson and JV are going to you know, get their shots, obviously, I think it will unquestionably be Ja who is running this offense right from the get-go. And I think the number of opportunities and the amount of experience that he's going to get from that will just mean that he can put up, you know, ridiculous rookie stats that are just going to almost demand that he win the award over Zion. That's that's what I think will happen anyway. Um, and obviously, the, yeah, the, the same can't be said for Zion, you know, even as... Pelicans GM David Griffin, you know, he came out and said that even despite taking Zion number one overall, this is still going to be Drew Holiday's team for the foreseeable future. And as a side note, I mean, you can't be mad at him for that when you see how good Drew Holiday is. I mean, just just as a tangent, I think he's the most underrated player in the league. But sorry, I'm getting getting sidetracked there. You know, even despite all that, I think it's still probably going to be a really close race between the two. But I think, again, thanks to an abundance of opportunities, playing loads of minutes, 
and having sort of the ultimate green light i just i just expect ja to put up bigger numbers in this upcoming season which at the end of the day that's what the rookie of the year award is about mainly i mean it's not going to be about stacking wins i guess maybe if if zion can still be a major contributor and the pelicans manage to sneak into the playoffs that might make his case for him but no, I'm 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 sticking with I'm sticking with Ja just cuz uh, yeah, I think he's going to put up some ridiculous stats this year. But anyway, uh, again, like with all these takes, let me know. Give me give me your thoughts on on Twitter at around the arc pod. Moving on to my next take and that is that the Toronto Raptors will finish as a top 4 seed in the East. Now it feels a, it feels like the the reigning champs, the the Raptors, of course, they've been completely written off, you know, after losing Kawhi in free agency, or that's what it feels like at least. But you go down the team, you look at their roster, and you can come to the conclusion really that Toronto they still they still have a pretty good team going into next year. I mean, Pascal Siakam, he's set to take another leap this year after being named the most improved player a year ago. I think I expect him to take another step. Kyle Lowry is still a fringe all-star despite slowing down somewhat in the past couple of years. You know, we saw even in the finals, he can he can still be an all-star caliber floor general. I think Mark Gasol is still capable of being a dependable two-way starting center. I think with Kawhi out the way, I think he'll be relied on more in the offense. I think he can still be a fairly efficient 15-point-per-game scorer while still providing solid interior defense. Um, you look, Nick Nurse is still the coach there. Um, Serge Ibaka and Fred Van Vliet will still be We'll still be kind of anchoring that second unit, although I guess maybe maybe a back all start. I don't know, but yeah, they're still there. You know, this team, while certainly not a contender by any stretch of the imagination, is still there's still nothing to sneeze at, and with the lack of depth in the Eastern Conference, I think a top four finish is certainly achievable for the Raptors. I think you go down the line, you're going to have Milwaukee and Philly. They're going to be the top two seeds, I think for sure and then after that you've got i think indiana they're almost a lock for the third seed if if oladipo can come back and be basically 100 percent the guy he was before that injury but then after that you've got boston who i think will will make a bit of noise but then toronto i think they can be right there with them then you've got kind of the fringe playoff teams like the Magic, the Pistons, I think the Heat are going to be in the mix, especially if they make a trade for Chris Paul. But you look, there aren't that many, you know, really good teams in the East. So I think, yeah, it's kind of wide open. And I think since the Raptors are going to be playing with essentially no expectations, I think they're going to come in and surprise some people, actually. But yeah, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see for that. My next take is that Chris Paul, CP3, will return to all-star form for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, after being traded from Houston to OKC, I think 
Chris Paul, he's going to be out to prove at least that he is still an elite point guard, even in his 15th season this year. You know, health has been an issue for for CP, but he has all he's also been fighting the effects of father time somewhat, which, I mean, they reared their heads last year as we saw Paul have his worst season since his rookie year. However, I think a fresh start and a new team, that might be just what the doctor ordered for Paul to have a bounce-back season. I mean, all the advanced numbers, and you look at his per 36 stats and all that, all the numbers suggest that when healthy, Chris Paul, he's still an all-star caliber player. And... When you look at this year, he's going to have the added motivation of upping his trade value as much as possible so that he can hopefully find his way to a team that isn't at the start of a rebuild like the Thunder is. And, you know, you take that into consideration, and I don't see why we shouldn't expect to see sort of flashes of the LA CP3 this year. And, I mean, I don't know where he'll be playing after the trade deadline. I know um, there has been more talk of Miami being interested and, you know, those two teams trying to work out a deal. But, yeah, I don't know where he'll be playing at season's end. But I think as long as he stays healthy, he'll he'll have the Thunder in the playoff mix out west, I think, while at the same time... I think he'll reestablish himself as one of the truly elite point guards in the game. Now, I did a, I did a whole section on Chris Paul's current situation in uh, one of the one of the previous podcast episodes. So, if you want uh, to listen to me go more in depth into all that, you can you can go and and find that episode. But I'll leave it at that for now. I expect. If he can stay healthy, I'm expecting a big season from CP3. Now, looking at another another point guard who's kind of looking to have a comeback redemption season this year, but for totally different reasons, and that is Markel Fultz. So another guy who I've talked about in, in a previous episode, but my bold take for him is going to be that he will be the Orlando Magic's starting point guard this year. Now, the former the former number one overall pick, he's got the chance at a fresh start now, now that he's been traded from Philly to Orlando, which happened last year. Um, and even despite not playing a single game yet for the Magic, I think things are still looking up for the young fools, who, I mean, he appears to have impressed the team with his progress thus far. Um and it's now come out that he's going to be completely unrestricted in training camp, and he's going to hopefully be ready to play in the preseason as well, which, you know, these are all promising signs. And if you've seen the video footage of of him working out, you'll see that his jump shot looks better. If you've heard from him or other people within the Magic organization, you'll see that, you know, expectations are increasing for what he can do for them this season. And while he's certainly not going to come back and be an all-star right away, I think he can definitely be the Magic starting point guard. If not immediately, then definitely at some point during the season. You know, DJ Augustine, who's the Magic's point guard at the moment, he's he's fine, but 
I think he's definitely better suited to a backup role. And he's even come out and said himself that he he doesn't mind whether he's a starter or a or a backup, you know. So that 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 bodes well as well for um Fultz's chances. So I think the starting role should definitely be up for the taking and I think it should be should be Fultz's to lose. And after after what accounted to be nothing more than a false start last season for Fultz, hopefully this is this is the year that you know the Markel comeback story finally begins and gets back on track. You know I've seen I've seen a couple of people suggest that that he's going to be in the running for most improved player this year and while that might be a little bit of a stretch for him to do just in one season you know I definitely think that becoming the starter for this Orlando team is definitely that would definitely be a very very promising sign in his sort of redemption arc comeback story and but yeah uh, my my hopes are high for for Markel I've certainly not given up on him um and yeah like i said i've talked about him as well in a previous episode so if you want to if you want to hear more about his his situation his predicament then yeah go go back and go back and catch that episode now we're down to the final two bold takes for for this year for this upcoming season now the first one i've got here is that the utah jazz will make it all the way to the conference finals in the Western Conference playoffs. Now, I've touched on this already, but you look at the Western Conference and it is stacked this year. You know, that you've got several teams that all feel that they have legitimate championship odds this year, legitimate title chances. You know, the Clippers, Lakers, and Rockets, I think they seem to be the big three that everyone talks about. But I think one team that I think will catch some people off guard and just how good they are is the Utah Jazz. You know, after a near flawless offseason, the Jazz enter this upcoming year with one of the more well-balanced rosters in the league, I think. You know, they still have the best defender in the world in Rudy Gobert. Donovan Mitchell will be looking to make the leap to true stardom in his third season. And I think Mike Conley, who they got from Memphis, I think he projects to be the perfect point guard and third star for this team. You know, they've also replaced Derek Favors with Bojan Bogdanovic in the starting lineup. And I think that'll do wonders for the team's offense and floor spacing especially. And... You also look at the additions of guys like Jeff Green, Emmanuel Moutier, and Ed Davis. I think that'll do a lot to bolster the bench unit as well. All of that, and they're still they're led by one of the better head coaches in the NBA, and Quinn Schneider as well, who I think will find a way to get the most out of out of this team, especially defensively. He he is a phenomenal defensive coach, and honestly. I, th- I think a lot of the Jazz's success this year is going to hinder on Donovan Mitchell's development if he can really make the leap and become a real star, at least on the offensive end anyway. And if he can make that leap where he can be the guy who can, you know, just go and get you a bucket uh, 
in the playoffs. I think that's what's going to take this team to the next level. And if if Mitchell can do that, which I think he can, then I'm predicting a Lakers-Jazz conference finals in the playoffs. I went. I I know it'll depend on how seeding works out and everything, but I actually wouldn't be. I guess this is a bold take in and of itself, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see the Jazz upset someone like the Rockets or even the Clippers, maybe in the second round. But anyway, yeah. Um, speaking of the Lakers, actually, that that brings us to the final bold take of of today's episode, and that is that the Lakers will win the 2020 NBA championship. Now, I've said it before, and I will say it again. I'll be saying it all season, probably. I am not betting against LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the postseason. You know, I think they'd easily be the best duo in the league in any normal season. But the fact that each of these guys has a little something extra to prove, you know, a little bit of extra motivation, I just expect them to put the whole world on notice next season. I mean, sure, there are still some questions surrounding this Lakers team, like, who's their point guard going to be? I think it should be LeBron. You know, how how's everyone going to fit together? How are they going to fit all the new pieces together? Is Frank Vogel the right coach for this team? Does LeBron have enough left in the tank in year 17 to have another, you know, GOAT-level title run? Um and yeah, there are also other great teams that are going to stand in their way, like the Clippers and the Jazz and whoever makes it out of the Eastern Conference, probably Milwaukee or, or Philadelphia. But at the end of the day, the Lakers are going to have the two best players on the court most nights they play. And in most playoff series as well, I know some would make the case for Paul George and Kawhi, but I just think... When healthy, and especially in playoff mode, I'm not taking anyone over LeBron and Anthony Davis. And not only that, they have Kyle Kuzma, who I know fans are kind of split on, but I think he could be a very, very good third option, provided he continues developing and improving. Not just offensively, but I think defensively as well, where he's not really been that great on that end. But given his size and length and and mobility for a power forward... I think he certainly has some potential to at least be an above-average defender, so we'll be looking for him to develop in those areas as well. And, you know, look, they also have a lot more shooting this year compared to last year, you know, bringing in guys like Danny Green, Quinn Cook, KCP, and Avery Bradley. You know, and I've I've already touched on, on the Lakers' potential defensively as well. Now, you put everything together, and you have... Just on the surface, you have a team that can easily hold its own with any of the other contenders out there. And what I think will end up putting LA over the top will just be the sheer dominance of a re-energized, reinvigorated, and extra-driven LeBron James. Anthony Davis as well, but I'm putting LeBron on his own pedestal here. Just get oh. I, I don't think I have ever been more hyped for a LeBron season than I am this year. I just think, you know, with ever with the way that last season ended and everything that happened, 
in his first year with the Lakers. He's just, he's not going to have two disappointing seasons in a row. He's just, that's just not going to happen. And, you know, looking league-wide, you know, broadening our, our perspective here, you know, with KD sidelined for Brooklyn and Golden State severely weakened without Clay Thompson for much of the season, I think this might be the single best chance that LeBron has at a fourth title, which, individually speaking, obviously that would inch him closer to Jordan in the goat debate if you don't think that he's overtaken him already. Now that that is a that is a topic unto itself, which would deserve an episode of its own. But you know, since since I've touched on it, I'll throw in a bonus bold prediction for you. Since I'm since I'm taking the Lakers to win the title and since I'm, you know, expecting LeBron to be best player in the world type level, I'm just gonna say that if all that happens, LeBron will overtake Michael Jordan as the consensus GOAT after putting together an MVP caliber regular season in year 17, don't forget, and following that up with an all-time great playoff run that ends with the Lakers winning the title. There we go. I'll finish it with a bang. I feel like that's probably the boldest prediction on the list. Is it? Nah, LeBron could do that. Anyway, make of that what you will. Uh, yeah, um, let me know. Let me know what you guys think of of that list there. And yeah, give me a give me a few of your own bold predictions for the twenty twenty NBA season as well. I'd love to love to hear what you guys think. As always, hop on Twitter. You can you can tweet me at around the arc pod. And yeah, yeah, give me your thoughts on there, guys. But there we go. That does it for my list and for today's episode as well. So as always, thanks so much for tuning in. Means a lot. Um, as always, if you want to go and leave leave the show a review, it'd be greatly appreciated. Five stars, of course, would get you extra brownie points in my book. But, you know, anything, comments, suggestions, thoughts, questions all that all that stuff um be great to hear from you and anyway yeah like i said guys i'm gonna be looking to sort of ramp up the output of these episodes as we get closer and closer to the start of the season so yep with that i will catch you next time guys